You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe podcast with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated exclusively to helping you grow, scale, and maybe someday exit your boutique pro-serve firm. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and I have the privilege of being your host today. And on this episode, we're going to talk about organizational development, but we're going to do it with a twist. And the twist is what to do when you have a top-performing individual contributor and you promote that person into a supervisory or managerial job, and for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. And you've got to bring that person back into the fold. And it's a tricky situation to handle. It's one that our members deal with a lot. It's, it's a common issue. And uh, we hope to give you some insights as to how to handle that. And we have a wonderful role model this week who has firsthand experience with this. His name is Mike Desjardins, and I, that was my best French impression. And he uh, he's a member of Collective 54, and he's going to share his, his wisdom with you. So, Mike, it's good to see you. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Would you mind uh, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your firm? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to do so. Uh, so my name's Mike and I live in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, the firm is Virtus, uh, and we've been around for 22 years and our focus is 90% on leadership development for medium to large enterprise. So, uh, and I'll say medium to large enterprise for us is about a hundred million in revenue. That's usually when a client hits that number where they start to have the issues around leadership development that are at this scale uh, that uh, that we operate at. And then 10% of our work is in strategic planning. And that is, we do obviously executive team development. So we also work with those executive teams in uh, doing their strategy work as well, which is a annual and quarterly cycle that can go on for 10 to 15 years. Okay, got it. Very good. <clears throat> so as I mentioned, I, I set up the problem um, with this yeah. promotion of these individual contributors. And I just had a little bit more color to that. You know, we yeah. serve entirely boutique professional services firms, and I should I should define that as you have defined your medium-sized companies. For us, that means more than ten, but fewer than two hundred and fifty employees in that in that single uh, industry of professional services. That's the reason why the number fifty-four is in the name. Collective fifty-four. That's the industry code for ProServe, and people join professional services firms for careers not jobs. They, they value their expertise. They're motivated intrinsically by things like the job content, the intellectual stimulation, the variety of the problems they might get a chance to solve, the types of people they'll meet. It's a very, very specific type of person that joins. And it attracts folks that are driven by competence and achievement. And they excel at individual achievement and then when a firm scales, which is what you're doing, what most of our members are trying to do, the law of numbers says is we got to promote some people. And they get promoted, 
And sometimes it doesn't go so well. And then we've got this issue where we have this almost demoralizing effect on, unfortunately, one of our stars. And we get stuck. We don't know what to do with it. So my team told me that you are the master at handling this. <laughs> so I'm on, the, <laughs> <You> mean, <laughs> I'm on the edge of I my seat. <laughs> I may have misspoke. Uh, I think what, what would be closer to the truth is that I screwed this up uh, <laughs> and recovered. And so I have a story to share. I think that's closer to the truth. All right. Well, let's hear the story. Uh, so, yeah, the story is, is uh, that I have um, a team member who is an executive who I've worked with for over 20 years now. And uh, she's been with me from almost from the very beginning of the business. Um, and her name is Shannon. And she is, her title right now is Director of Learning Strategies. As the business grew, uh, one of the things that I read was EOS Traction. And through reading about EOS Traction, I learned about an integrator role, which effectively is a chief operating officer role. Um, and I started thinking about restructuring the firm in a way where there was a single person in this integrator role. And to me, that logically is Shannon. Now, with Shannon, I thought, well, she'd be great in the integrator role. Um, and I started thinking about the structure of the business and thinking about how well-respected she is in the business. And I thought, you know, everybody loved to report to Shannon. She's fantastic. Um, and so she'd moved from having two direct reports to having really effectively almost all the direct reports except business development and, uh, and accounting, uh, the controller. And so, you know, this would be great. She's going to love this. Um, and as I started chatting with her about the future of her career and what she wanted, uh, she started saying to me, well, I think what I really want is no direct reports. And I'd love to really focus on being a director, but focus on the future of learning for the business. And that will take me all of my time. And right now uh, I get, I sort of get pulled into projects and I'm also, I also have direct reports. And so I don't really get a lot of time to spend on our strategy and on what the future of learning is going to look like. And I think that to really achieve the this 10-year strategy that we had set out, uh, I need to be able to focus on that. And so in my infinite wisdom, I actually went the other direction and convinced her <laughs> that, no, she would be great. Of course she did. <laughs> Classic and, entrepreneur um, right there. <laughs> and, you know, offered her the salary and all that kind of stuff to go with it. But what I said to her was, listen, I, I think you're going to be amazing. I know that everybody in the company would love for you to be in this role. Um, would you be willing to give the role a shot for six months? And if it doesn't work out, we'll go back. We, we will restructure the company and we'll figure out something different for you. Um, but it won't, uh, it won't harm you. You'll be back. You'll be financially in the same position you're in right now prior to being promoted. And... Um, and we'll figure out like what that structure is going to be if it doesn't work. In my mind, I'm like, this is this is just she's going to love this. It's going to work great. <laughs> I think one of those classic entrepreneurial mistakes that that can get made <clears throat> equally when there's we're thinking of uh, profit sharing programs or equity programs, right? As an entrepreneur, I think about it from my lens, but the reality is that isn't empathizing with what the other person wants. Hmm. And in this case, I did the same thing with this promotion. So. Shannon got four months into it and we were sitting down for lunch um, uh, and I uh, said, you know, how's it going? Uh, you know, this is our one-on-one. -on -one. She's like, I don't like my life right now. Mm. <laughs> so, 
so my grand plan um, wasn't working out the way I expected. And I said, oh, okay, like what's going on? She's like, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm, I love the people I work with, and but I'm back doing more of the things that don't really bring me joy. What brings me joy is working on the future of this business and the strategy, and I'm not getting time to do that. And so, you know, I'd really like to take you up on your offer. I know it's not six months yet. Uh, it's only four months. And I said, no, I think it's been long enough for you to figure out <laughs> whether or not this is the right fit for you. And so I said, okay, well, how do we structure this team? So she and I worked together on a new org structure that had her as director of learning strategies and had uh, one of our returning teammates who was coming back from maternity leave uh, after a year. Uh, we get a little bit longer in Canada than kid in the States. Uh, and we said, okay, well, why don't we make that role director of people and operations? And her name is Nadia. And so Nadia will roll up the content team and the uh, project management uh, and logistics teams will report to her. And that will free up Shannon to be able to focus on um, actually on our learning strategies and on this future scale mode of our business, which there's a lot of work that we still have to do on that. And so we did that um, effective October 15th of 2021. So it's been a year and a almost a month uh, of that structure in place. And what I can say to you is that um, what ended up happening is Shannon has dotted line responsibilities to a content team that used to report to her, uh, but she is able to focus on building out uh, the future of the business. And that's what her day-to-day -day looks like. Um, researching what's happening in adult learning, researching what's happening in e-learning and blended learning, and slowly helping to convert what we're doing into a model that we know will scale uh, more effectively um, and also fits really does fit the needs of learners today, particularly post-pandemic uh, as a result of what's happened and the changes in how people are wanting to learn. It's quite different than it was prior to March 2020. And Nadia, who's in her role, is thriving. And the team that reports to her loves reporting to her. Um, so yeah, so it's actually worked out really well. It's just worked out differently uh, than I would have expected. And we ended up promoting some people uh, as well uh, as a result of this change in strategy and a change in approach to our organizational structure. So that's why I say I, I would love to take credit for this being some sort of grand plan. I'm definitely not the master, but uh, we kind of failed our way or I failed my way through this. And with uh, Shannon empathizing with me, uh, as I had my grand plan and it didn't work out, um, we were able to, to make that change. And then ironically, we put in an equity-based compensation strategy this past June, which level sets everyone's compensation uh, mark to market uh, every June. And uh, for Shannon, her salary went, uh, it went back down when she took the role, but then it went right back up uh, to the level that she would have been at as the integrator. And so, uh, it took a little bit of time for that to happen from October to June when we did that. Um, but when we went to market to look at an individual contributor director role, um, uh, her salary was actually the same salary it would have had with the direct reports as an integrator in, in a different capacity, more of a chief operating officer versus director of learning strategy. So anyway, that's to, to bring you full circle of how that worked out. Um, it worked out great for, for Shannon. It worked out great for Virtus and it ended up working out great uh, for me as well. So yeah, that's the, that's the full story. And worked out great for Nadia. 
Yeah, as well, right? Sorry, for Nadia, yeah. which is why it worked out great for Virtus too. So it worked out great for Nadia. Um, she's just like thriving in her yeah. role. Uh, and then a few other people got promoted as a result uh, of this whole structure change. So, it, you know, it was another good lesson, Greg, for me. Uh, I can always have these grand designs of how things are going to work out. And then I go to the team and I ask them about what that's actually going to look like. And sometimes they they just tell me like, just plain no. Yeah. <laughs> and when enough people uh, say that to me, um, uh, particularly people that are senior and tenure, uh, then it's important for me to really like listen and, and try to understand why they feel that strongly about this. You know, what strikes me about that story, and thank you for sharing that, it is a, a fantastic story and a great use case, is obviously you and Shannon had a fantastic relationship built on trust because sometimes when this happens, the person who gets promoted, they don't feel comfortable sharing with the boss, for lack of a better term, that maybe this isn't exactly what they want to do. It comes usually with an increase in responsibilities and compensation, so they get excited about that. Mm -hmm. And then they take mm -hmm. the job, right? And then it doesn't work out, and they feel like they're failing. And instead of raising their hand and saying, hey, I want to go back to the old job, or let's reorg around a new job, they leave the company. And we've been mm -hmm. dealing with, now it's changing, it's moderating now, thank heavens, but we were dealing with this great resignation where a lot of people lost a lot of employees during this time. And sometimes, like, I would call that a uh, an unforced error, right? I mean, it's, <clears throat> like, that was avoidable, I should say. And yeah. how did you develop this relationship with her in the culture of your company that where it tolerated the experiment, it didn't work out, no one's feelings or egos got bruised, mm -hmm. and you were able to pivot to a new solution? You know, I think it's really taken a village to build to build this culture. Um, we we really Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability, and in that she's really talking less about rampant self disclosure and more about authenticity and transparency. And uh, and we've had that in this business the whole time. Uh, I think you know when we hire, we're really careful to hire really smart people who are emotionally intelligent. Um, and have these qualities that, that are they're great to collaborate with. And uh, we've run an open book company since 2008. So other than exact salaries, everybody has every other piece of information about this business. So it's really kind of baked into our culture to have these types of open conversations. And what I've noticed that's happened as a result of that is that there's really no surprises, right? So when somebody has a review, they're not surprised by the review because we talk about feedback pretty openly all the time. Now, I think inherent in the fact that we're a leadership development company, <laughs> if we weren't doing this and we didn't have a great culture, right? It, it would be ironic if we were out in the marketplace talking about how leaders should show up. Uh, and so I think, you know, it's deliberate. Um, it's a choice that we've made and it, it hasn't hurt us. Like, I, I can't think of a scenario in the past where being this way has been to our detriment. Now, it means people have their tenures here. Um, but a short period of time working here is five years. That's pretty oh, wow. fast. Um, whereas I have, there's team members that have been here, like Shannon's 20, 18 years, uh, 12, 14, like, you know, relatively long period of time. We're growing now. So we have some, some um, uh, new people that are joining the company. And when we hire, because we've been around for a while and we've had these longer term relationships, we take quite a bit of time um, to get to know people in advance because we're thinking about 
this is a long-term relationship when somebody joins our team. We're not thinking about like, let's see how it goes over the next couple of years and we'll see where things are at. We are really thinking long-term. And the candidates that you're interviewing, are they thinking long-term as well? And how do you, t- how do you judge that in an interview setting? I mean, it's hard, right? Like I, it's hard because you could say, oh, look at somebody's LinkedIn profile or look at their resume and have they moved around a number of times? Like, that's not fair because I think, you know, I look back at where I, like I'm, I turned 50 this year. So I look at where I am right now and my thought process and my decision matrix and, and how I think about life. And I think back to when I was 25 and my priorities and my values have shifted, right? As I've aged and I've had experiences which would have helped me to figure out what I want. Now, luckily for me, um, I only really had two main jobs in life so far, right? Like I was with a group of companies from 18 to 28, and then I did this from 28 to today. Mm-hmm. So, but not everybody has that. A lot of these people are, people are trying to figure out what it is their career is going to look like. And they may have to go through different jobs and different companies to sort out what that's going to be. So I think it's less about, um, it's less about trying to determine whether somebody is, interested in a longer term career. And it's more about creating a culture where that happens. And that's the decision that we've made is is less about trying to figure that out on intake, but instead um, provide a culture and an opportunity where people actually really do want to stay and grow their careers here. When people have left and they've left and said, a lot of the times they're really sad to be leaving, like they don't want to go, but maybe our company isn't growing as fast as they want to grow. Mm-hmm. And so even though they've been here five years as an opportunity and, and, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm excited for them because I'm like, that is an awesome opportunity and we don't have that opportunity for you here. So I'm, I'm like pumped that there is something like that available. Um, so we, we kind of refer to people as alumni and we're excited that they're out there in the world doing great things. Uh, and that we got this unique opportunity to work with them uh, for whatever period of time um, we had to, a chance to do so. Yeah. That's wisdom there for sure. Um, let's come back to Shannon. So <clears throat> the professional services space is one built on apprenticeships. So junior people learn from senior people, and then they kind of move up along the way through the apprenticeship model. Mm-hmm. At least historically, that's how it's been done. So our members are more than likely going to fill the promotions that become uh, get created because of the growth with internal promotions. It's a grow your own model, which mm-hmm. works really well in the context of a professional firm. So there's those that are listening right now that are going to want to go promote somebody internally, much like you did with Shannon. And looking back on it now, you know, a year later, you know, what would you have done differently? What lessons would you want to share with those that are getting ready to go promote their Shannons today? You know, I think my mentor, Walt, actually said something to me in, in respect as we were talking about this and reflecting on this. He's mentored me for the past 16 years and we were chatting about this exact scenario. And uh, he said, you know, the learning here is when people tell you what they really want, believe them. <laughs> and they're telling the truth. And park. <laughs> well, and park. Yeah. Well, they're, they're telling their truth. Right. And, and park what it is that I would want if I were them because that doesn't matter. Now there is, there is a piece of it where I, so here's the piece where I think it's challenging. The balance of that is sometimes I will see people and I will see 
some that they are p- capable of something they haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. And so they might not like, so for Nadia, Nadia was coming back to come into a, a, a program designer role. And, but Shannon and I in chatting saw she could come back in a director role. Shannon's like, she's the, she's the next most senior person here. So why would we, why wouldn't we offer her this director of people and operations role? Um, she'd be fantastic at it and she's ready to take that step. And so we went to her saying, Hey, we think you'd be amazing at this job. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's, it's seeing the opportunity for people and what they could grow into. And, uh, but the flip side of that, of course, is the situation I ran into with Shannon, where I, I wasn't hearing her Mm. and I was thinking too much about what I would want if I were her and, and why it would be such a great role for her as opposed to really deeply empathizing with um, what she knew she truly wanted. Mm. I think that's the lesson is mm. that there's always going to be this balance of, of, of trying to, to do both, right? Like help somebody along who you might think isn't like uh, ambitious enough for what you see they're capable of, but tempering that with truly hearing them when they say what they want. Yeah, for sure. You know, when we have our Friday um, member Q&A with you, they're going to ask a lot of questions about this and and the way you set up the, the what I would call a job tryout. You know, you said, let's try it out for six months and and how mm-hmm. you monitor that, et cetera. So it's just a, it's a great use case. It's a very real issue for our members. So thanks for being on the call today and, and for sharing your story. Yeah, it my was, pleasure. It was very informative. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate being on. Thanks, Greg. All right. All right. So if you're listening and you're a founder of a or a leader of a boutique pro serve firm and you're not yet a member and you want to meet great people like Mike and learn, you know, around stories like this one, consider joining Collective 54 and you can uh, apply for membership on our website, which is collective54.com. If you're not quite ready to join, but you want to educate yourself, we've got lots of resources called Collective 54 Insights. So podcasts, benchmarking data, a blog, a book, etc. And you can also find that at collective54.com. But thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.